Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're wishing you a happy Dependence Day. Because it's not about freedom anymore. <laughs> wow. Right out the gate, getting had, political. Had to start wow. the podcast like that. That's wow. how it goes down in Petey's world. <laughs> nice. You know, I, I was thinking the other day, I, I would kind of like to uh, end every podcast with a new tagline at the end. We've been doing for what seven years. What would the years. tagline be? I want to pick one from a different movie every single week. I've, I found one from a movie this Rodents week. Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I can't even remember what it was, but it was like reminding you. And I was like, we need to have... Every because week. I was inverted. Oh, it's still one of my favorite lines. What's that from? Top Gun! Top Gun! <laughs> I haven't seen that. You have to understand. I have what? not seen that since I was 14, but I saw it like six times. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, dude. That thing's on like every week. My grandpa took me to see that. And, you know, there was that racy bathroom scene. And uh, Yeah, that's I literally my sister like rented that for her birthday she had all the kids over that scene came on and my parents turned it off like mm. can you imagine how embarrassing so my that grandparents is? they were they, in my extended family they were the first to come to faith they were methodists and they were nominal and then they went to this road to emmaus and they had this like if you don't know the methodist has something called chrysalis for teens and then they have something called road to emmaus for um and they're like retreats and they really uh, encourage Methodists, you know, like to, to know the gospel. So when you're older and retired, you go to this walk to it, walk to Emmaus or whatever, and they encounter God. So they're praying for the family. So they have become like switched on Christians. Right. And I'm, I'm this like little heathen pagan kid and it never failed. Like whatever, like, and I knew they were religious and I wasn't saved yet. And I remember um, I went to visit them because they're on the East Coast. And we're watching Top Gun and my grandpa's gone <sighs> during that scene. And I was so surprised he did not take, like, get up and take me out. He was the grandpa that when my brother and I went to see Star Wars with him when I was like three or four years old, the very first scene, he picks that dude up. Our fader picks that rebel soldier and snaps his neck. My grandpa goes, right, boys, we're going, right? And my, my grandpa was a combat infantry officer in World War II uh, and Korea. And like the dude had seen, wow. you know, I mean, I, I have, I don't even know if I should talk about this. I have a, a camera that he traded a, a, a Luger for. Um, 
after it's supposed to be the other way. Well, that was it. He didn't want it because he had killed the guy. And I, I guess, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things, right? He didn't in, in this other guy had this brand new camera and he said, Hey, uh, the guy goes, Oh, where would you get, (laughs) where'd you get that gun? Uh, which is kind of obvious. And he's like, can I have that? And my grandpa goes, I'll trade you your camera for it. So I have the camera gun would have been cooler, but I have the camera. Yeah. But I can understand that. I mean, but so he had seen plenty of action, but I'll never forget. And I was out of all the men that have ever walked the planet. He's the man I respect the most, but wait, 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 wait. Besides you, of course, Pete. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry. I I just thought that went without saying, well, it doesn't. Let's just get that out of the way. It does not go without saying. We need to say it often and loudly. Oh, so, funny. so anyways, so, um, but anyways, we went and saw Top Gun and, uh, but it never failed with these grandparents. Like, like even after I became saved and I was really trying to walk with God, but I'd have like MTV on and David Lee Roth would, would, would be on there. Wow. Go ahead. Jump. You've seen all, you know, Panama video, whatever. You know, he does some interesting things with the mic stand. Let's just put it that way, right? That that cannot be shared. But it never, like, it wasn't like I was a huge hardcore Van Halen fan. It was just, I was a teenager. I was right. watching MTV. My Nana would walk through the room every time, whenever. I remember watching Kids in the Hall. Remember that show from Canada? I never watched it because I don't like Canadians, but that... You know, that's just the way it is. You know, and I'm watching this and I'm a Christian. I'm talking to her about the Lord and the Bible. And I'm watching Kids in the Hall, which is one of the funniest comedy shows ever made. Uh, It's Canadian. And uh, there's this one skit. My Nana happens to walk through the room right at the night. It's this guy that sold his soul to the devil so he could become the greatest shoe salesman in the world. So he sits down. You would love this skit. I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll find it and send it to you. But he, he literally, this guy's like, oh, I, I only came in here for a pair of socks. I, I don't know how you're selling me all these shoes. And he's buying like 10, 12 shoes. And then the guy looks at the camera right then. My Nana just happens to be walking through the room. And he goes, thank you, Satan. <laughs> my Nana's like, whoa, never failed with these grandparents. It was, it was like a conspiracy. So my wife and I, we, we don't. We don't enjoy going up to my folks' house. I mean, I don't know how to say it any other way than your folks are nice people. So they're great people. Tre- tread lightly. No, no, they're I'll, great I'll people. I, it, we don't enjoy <laughs> like it's not fun. Yeah, and a part of the reason why it's not fun, <laughs> we have two different lifestyles. Yes. So my parents have had a thirty-two inch zenith tv that was 35 years old it was my grandfather's tv that was their tv like it was the only tv in the house and i mean we're talking this is 35 years old this thing is a couple hundred pounds and it was in this big wooden box and they like lifted it up somehow friends i'm sure and put it on a a dresser and it was like in the the family room area and so, I mean, just like my family, we have a TV in every room, including outside. So when we're outside, we can watch TV. Yeah. I got a hundred inch TV right behind of these me. TVs. They're huge, right? <laughs> so well, I that was a wall. That's a, that's a TV. <laughs> so like they don't understand when, before we had kids, they kind of understand now we have kids, but before we had kids, when we would go there and we'd be like, hey, we're going to stay at a hotel. They'd be like, well, we have an extra room. And I'm like, mm, mm, there's no TV. There's no TV anywhere in your house. <laughs> this That's is not going to work for us. That's so funny. And, you know, I make the joke. This is what keeps me married, right? We have TV and we used to have movies. Now we don't have movies anymore. Happy Dependence Day. And um, so this one time we're, we're visiting my folks. This is before we had kids. And I don't know what we're watching. We're watching some PG movie, PG, like you would never watch a rated R movie in my parents' house. Like, I still don't know how they justified watching The Passion because it's rated R. Like, I, like that was just, you don't do that kind of a thing. In fact, I still remember this one time my sister and I went to go see, you remember the old Sylvester Stallone movie, Cliffhanger? Oh, <gasps> yes. I love that movie. We saw it on a Sunday and... After we saw it, my mom goes, oh, what's that rated? And I was like, 
you know, and my sister goes, oh, I think it's rated R. And oh my gosh, dude, it was like, like she didn't, my sister didn't care. It was like, it's rated R. And uh, so anyway, we're watching some movie and my dad happens to walk by right as whoever it was, one of the characters is basically saying you can't sexually harass someone, but he was being very descriptive in what he was saying. And my dad goes off and turn that off. And I'm like, I'm right here in front of my wife. I mean, we're not kids anymore. What the heck? It's just like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to go there. We're not going to watch TV movie. It's, it's not still your dad, you know, like uh, at at what stage that's gotta be a a hard thing. You know, my mom was pretty good at that. She was, she, yeah, she was pretty good at kind of backing up. You know, it was rad. I had this great talk with uh, with my daughter this week about, um, you know, when, because she's 11, right? She's at that age now where the emotions are popping and temptations are going to start coming in a little bit more, you know, and so we're, we're having these great conversations. And I just shared about how my mom, you know, like stayed out with this girl named Andrea Brown all night, you know, now we did just talk and Andrea and I could talk. That's always been the the amazing strength of our conversation is that woman and I can talk for hours and hours and hours. And my wife and I, we can watch movies for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) Well, it's funny because I can, I literally find her the most fascinating conversationalist ever. Mm. And, and part of it is because she and I can debate and she's highly philosophical. So we, we tend to, we tend to have the same values, but not always the same opinions. And that makes our relationship, I think, very, very interesting. And I grow from talking to her and I, I, I would like to say she grows from me, although I don't know, but <clears throat> It's very rare that I ever hear, Hey, Peyton, you were right all along, but I often say that. So, um, I don't. but it, it I never true, say Peyton, honestly. you were right all along. That never comes out of my <laughs> I, mouth. I, I, you know, it's a funny thing that I very rarely ever hear that from anyone, but you know, what was funny is that, um, uh, I was telling Liberty, sorry, I distract myself. Um, I was telling Liberty that, um, you know, my mom, that was her thing is people are like, oh, Peyton stays out because we would stay out all night evangelizing. Like we would do all kinds of crazy stuff. And every once in a while we would stay out doing things we shouldn't do, like stalking people and watching where they went late at night. But Are you serious? <laughs> I swear we had this one guy. And if you grew up anywhere in Orange County, like particularly like North County, uh, Orange County, you would have maybe seen this guy. And he had all these necklaces more than Mr. T. He had all these things around his head with like feathers coming off. And he had uh, probably no exaggeration, a hundred bracelets on each arm. And he would walk around like malls and swap meets and stuff. And you would see him and he would move really slow, but his arms would be out like this, like he was Frankenstein because he's holding the weight of all these bracelets. He couldn't put his hand down. So he would go like this. Well, he lived, like we would see this guy. I worked security at the swap meet is in high school. So I can't believe I'm telling this story. Wow. You work security. What were you like a buck 25? I mean, yeah, man. Yeah. We were told in when hey, I say, Hey there, hey there, mister. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it was funny. It wasn't like that. It was more like you would, you would hang out by the barriers and say, Hey, you can't ride your bike in here. It was that kind of security. Right. So, uh, so anyways, we, um, we decide one night and, and unfortunately is my idea. I take credit. I'm like, Hey, cause my buddy goes, you know, Hey, and we, we had a nickname. We called him psycho. I feel bad. Cause later I ended up being a psych nurse. He was obviously mentally ill. And uh, we like, he'd be like, Hey, psycho lives right beneath me. And he would sit in his car like forever. We don't know what he was doing. He would sit in his car and rev it up. And we're like, does it take him that long to get his arms up? You know, whatever. But anyways, he, um, I had this bright idea where, you know, my buddy goes, well, he leaves like 1230, 1 a.m. every, every night. So I was like, let's go follow, let's stake him out, right? Stake out had just come out with Richard Dreyfuss. And I was like, let's go stake him out. Let's, I don't know what that movie is. I couldn't see that one. <laughs> no, you couldn't. And uh, I never have actually, but I just remember it was, it was kind of, you know, in our vocabulary at that time. 
I've seen it. <laughs> I have not seen it. So, anyways, uh, so we stake them. We stake them out. But anyways, uh, the whole point they, that undermines exactly what I was getting to, which is where my mom was like, she made the statement to her friends, who are like, "Hey, why do you let them stay out so late?" And she said, "You know, uh, I'm not worried, and Peyton's not worried about." what I think he's more worried about what God thinks. So whatever he's up to when he's out on that, I trust him. I think so. We kind of had that conversation about walking mm. with God and, you know, you answer to a higher authority. And I was, I was kind of telling her that at a certain point here, I've got to start kind of letting go a little bit to let you make your own decisions. I'm still here for guidance. I'm still here. There'll still be rules, but more important than, than having the rules is for you to understand the reasons why, what kind of things I'm trying to protect you from. So we're going to need to start talking more, you know, and, and whenever you're like that, I don't understand that rule. I don't get that. Why, why is that? I wouldn't have that rule for my little, well, let's talk about that. Like that's all open for discussion, you know, just talk to me. Cause like right now she, she really wants an iPhone and I'm like, I'm old school. I'm like, no. So, you know, she's talking to mom and I told her, Hey, what kind of phone it. does she have right now? She doesn't <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm old school. So, yeah. So, you know, and, and that's the thing is all the other 12 year olds are getting phones, you know, all the other 11 year olds have phones, you know? So it's one of those, either you had, you had one a few years ago or you're getting one cause you're about to turn 12. Wow. 12 is the new age, huh? That's, the- I, th- I think that's, I think that's like the last stop for phones, man. I, you know, I don't and, know. and I'm holding out, you know, like, I don't know about that. I, I jokingly said, I'll get you a ladybug. Cause if you ever seen, uh, you know what ladybugs are the, for the seniors. <laughs> I go, I'll get you a ladybug. You know, that'll keep you safe. And of course I was totally teasing her and she got it, but yeah. So we're, we're having those talks now. Wow. It's weird. We were talking to you and me about being old. You were, you were looking through some old pictures of us. Dude, yeah. I was saying, so my, uh, my hundred inch TV, it has a screensaver. And, you know, when you leave the, the fire TV stick on and you're not watching a show, it goes to the screensaver. And so it shows all these old pictures that you, I, I guess it's from my, my phone. Mm-hmm. I, I must've connected the two and whatever, don't, whatever, don't remember. And, uh, and so I was seeing some pictures of you and it was back when you had a dark, whatever you call this goatee. I mean, you don't really do the goatee yeah. cause you don't do the mustache part. Yeah. But it was like black. It's not so black anymore. Oh man! I mean, I'm look at mine. You. Mine, mine is so white. I think I told you one of my uh, one of my uh, partners. We were about ready to jump on a webinar, and she goes, "Do you dye that thing, or do you bleach that thing?" And I'm like, "No, that's natural. I'm old now. That's why I shaved the rest of my goatee off." And I tell you that th- this is the weirdest thing having it all white. It is so weird, and I know. What does Andrea think? Is she like shave it or keep it? Well, when I, when I shave my facial hair, my kids cry. So, Why? you know, I, I guess it freaks them out. You know, of course, they're a little older. The last time I did it was a couple of years ago. But, um, yeah, they're like, Dad, we don't like that. Because they've never seen me yeah. without it. I look about 10 years younger when I do. At least Mine I went that. so white, you couldn't even tell that I had a goatee. And so, like, somewhere on my desk, I think this is it. <laughs> They did this caricature of when I was speaking at this event, and no they didn't even—they didn't even put a goatee because they couldn't see it. I, it was so white. There's no goatee. You have a cartoon character of yourself. Yeah, this was in a, a newsletter that came out. It's m- one of my talks that I did. That is one of the coolest things ever, man. But that was also, uh, by the way, hundred pounds ago, and. I was now they would put the, I mean, they'd have to put a little white right there. I just feel sorry for the guy they made into the prospect. That dude's all kinds of ugly. <laughs> Thank you for saying that was the prospector. Sure. <laughs> what are you doing for the fourth? I know everyone's going to listen to this after the fourth, except for people on Facebook right now. Family, family and friends, man. Yeah. I, I think we're hanging out with. Uh, we're trying to get someone who has the COVID because we want to spread it. So we're trying to like, if you, if you've got the COVID, let us know, we want to catch it. We want to be on the, we want to be on the, the spreading team. Cause we figure that's the team that's going to win. Well, that, that's the thing is I don't even know what the rules are 
pretty getting together right now. Well, you live in actually a safe county. Yeah. Everything here, LA, Orange, San Bernardino, Riverside, all closed up again. Beaches, restaurants, uh, card rooms. My (laughs) wife goes, why did they close the card rooms? Where are the card rooms at? And I'm like, they're actually all over the place. Are they? Yeah, it's it's. I go, I go. They're all Indian casinos or something like that. I'm like, it's self reliance uh, or whatever. It's that whole thing we voted in. Because you can't tax those. Anything oh. that anything that can be taxed will still be open. Well, no restaurants. They close that thing. Well, down. you know what I mean. Like like the things that they directly get huge tax, like like alcohol. Um, you know, they. It, it's worth. They closed the bars. They closed the oh, bars. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe you can't maybe even do takeaway there. from the bar. Therefore, you it? could do takeaway. Oh, really? Can't yeah, you could be like, give me a margarita it? to go, and you could. They made it legal. The the thing it's is amazing the freedom we have when there's a pandemic. Wait well, a and here's the thing. For me, the jury's still out. I don't trust anything I see either way on the internet, pro or or con. Um, to me, it it seems like still nobody really knows. No, they do. They do know a lot now. They absolutely do. In fact, um, what's his name? Rand Paul? Not Ron Paul, but his son, the senator. Is it Rand? Is that the one? Uh, Something like that. Kentucky senator. I know he's from Kentucky. I like to call him Rond. Well, he he was uh, doing the Senate whatever for uh, Fauci. Fauci was there. And he's like, why do you keep telling people we can't open schools? We know now, like we didn't know three months ago, but we know children don't spread it and they're barely affected by it. And 22 other countries have opened their schools and they go, look, and he's got all these charts and he's like, they're not spreading it. And, and then Fauci just being a total politician. Well, you know, I've been saying from the beginning, we got to get our kids back in school right away. And it's like, no, no, that's not what you've been saying. Well, that that's it. So maybe maybe it's not ignorance. Maybe it's politicization. Oh, it totally um, is. Um, also, that's why I can't stand these guys. Uh, All of them, yeah. both sides. So so much of it, though, um, different agendas, conspiracy theories. I'm just, you know, my my view on all this is we'll 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 see. You know, give it time. We'll see. It'll come out. So in the uh, in speaking of, we'll see. Uh, you, you did hear that um, Maxine was uh, apprehended from the Jeffrey Epstein case. By the way, we will get into church planning today, folks. We're about at our halfway mark, but uh, we actually talk church planning. I actually, uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours sent me a great meme and a tagline, and I cut and pasted that and posted it on Facebook, and it's trending quite well right now. What is it? Uh, it was a picture of Hillary uh, calling that the suicide was me hotline. That to you. I didn't want to give away that it was you. <laughs> I didn't know if you were being all incognito. I, I cut it out. I was like, no, because that is a funny meme. Hello, suicide hotline. I like, I'd to, like place to place an order. order. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing: is that as is I've just, been saying, Epstein did not kill himself. That's not even a conspiracy theory. No, I mean that is just straightforward uh, corruption. All the that cameras touches. All the cameras get turned off. Uh, the guards, I mean, it was just like, yeah, they killed him. They full on killed him. When, when, you know, I've been on suicide watch. I'm a, hello, I'm a psych nurse. Um, you don't leave them for one second on suicide watch. There's well, you do no in prison. Way. You leave them for 15 minutes at a time. Do you really? Yeah. Mm. They have to check on them every 15 minutes. That's ridiculous. So people don't have time in 15 minutes to kill themselves? No, they figure that, they can come not, back. That's and, not Suicide Watch. Suicide Watch is well, called a one-on-one I don't know if you know this, 24-7. But, I don't know if you know this, but prison is actually not a, a mental facility. But hello, this is Jeffrey freaking Epstein. I know. Like, I mean, come on. They it, wanted it, him to die. They He had they too much dirt on too many politicians. On everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the kind of corruption that that just gets left alone, and nobody talks about it. This is one of the reasons that I can't stand the media, is for all the pandering and social posturing and virtue signaling that we have things like this that get ignored completely, Um, where this is a huge deal to me. Sex trafficking is a major, major issue for me, and to... 
to, to just watch this get swept on the carpet. Um, I, I believe that most of Hollywood, most of the media is involved in it anyways. And that's why we never hear about it yep. from them. Because if this blows open, they're all, they're all cooked. All of them are, are gone almost. I mean, the amount of sexual allegations that come out surrounding newscasters and people that are, you know, uh, pretty high up in Hollywood, it, it, there's a reason we don't hear about it. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. So on that happy note, well, you know, let, let's talk about the uh, society. Shot. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> well done, Pete. Well done. Who needs those sound bites, anyways? So uh, today, what we're going to talk about is um, we're, we're continuing our our series. I mean, this will be the third. Oh, don't call rotation. it rotation. You know, I can't do it if you call it. A series. I know. Okay, so this is our third rotation around the sun. This is the Church Planning Podcast. Of course, you wouldn't know it if you're new. You've waited to get into the nitty gritty for 30 minutes, which is kind of how we do. Uh, about halfway through the show, it becomes time to actually talk about church planning. And we're, we're getting ready today. We, we started last week talking about what is church planning versus what is church starting. But um, what we're going to do is we're just going to start over. We hit the reset button. For those of you coming into it, um, learning to church plant, what we're actually doing is we are going to uh, just kind of chat around how to do it. And your mindset is extremely important. Last week, we talked about church planting versus church starting because planting is when you actually sow the seeds of the gospel. And if you do what Paul did in, in, or what Jesus did, churches will happen. You will found communities. And we forget the fact that Jesus had not just 12 that followed him. He had 72 missionaries. He had a crowd of 500 who were with him post-resurrection. There were different gradations of communities that surrounded Jesus. There was 120 in the upper, upper room. So we, we forget, you know, because there are 12 apostles, we think that was the community. Um, Jesus had a church, so to speak. There was a community. Um, some people might take offense to that and say, no way, man, the church started on Pentecost. That's whatever. I mean, you know, the spirit was poured out on Pentecost, surely. I mean, if that's how you <laughs> if if that's how you define the church as a spirit poured out, um, I got bad news for your Sunday morning, because it probably ain't that. But here's the deal. Um when we look at it, your mindset is extremely important. And Pete, let's talk through some of these because you, you know, those of you that listen, this is where it tends to get like Peyton just go, you know, we have a conversation and Peyton just goes into preaching or lecture mode. And I don't really want to do this. So let me just kind of say where we're going. And Pete, I'd, I'd really like to hear um, some of what you think, because what I want to do is I want to um, give a little bit of an apologetic for um, how pre-Christian society is like post-Christian society. Like we think, oh, what they did in Acts, that wouldn't work today, you know, because we live in a different time, different day. And so we need these new methods. Look, um, the reason that I get so tired of that argument is I feel like people don't understand the society that Paul planted in is not that much different other than technology, other than, you know, obviously like things have changed socially to a certain degree. Um, but we can unpack that a little bit too and see, well, maybe there were some of the same social issues they had too. In fact, maybe some of their conditions were worse and we enjoy greater benefits and freedoms in some ways than they did. But I want to draw the comparisons and contrasts because if we can do that, if we can establish that, then we can't just negate first century principles. And I, I care very much. If, if you read anything that I've ever written, church zero, cha-ching, that's our rule, uh, reaching the unreached, cha-ching, then you know that um, first century style Christianity. Wait, wait, is, let's keep going. Jump school, cha-ching, jump school, cha-ching, jump school, cha-ching, <laughs> jump school, cha-ching. And coming up in 2021. Jump school, be, cha-ching. Also known as church plantology. So, uh, so here's the deal. We, you know, as we look at pre-Christian and post-Christian, 
it's really important to um, uh, to compare these so that you know that these they're the same. If if the societies are very much the same, then why wouldn't the same principles uh, work? And so that that's what we're going to do. Make sense? Sure. Okay. That's all I have to say on that. <laughs> well, I, I want to hear some of your take on this because maybe you won't agree. You might be like, hey, I don't agree with that. And if you're thinking that, then maybe other people are thinking that too. So if a post-Christian world is not so different from a pre-Christian world, then we can say that the ways or the principles we apply to reach each one are not dissimilar. So I'm going to read you a quote first off. This is out of Reaching the Unreached. Cha-ching! Um, this is what I said in that book. Let's briefly examine the intersection of the first and 21st centuries to find common ground. Like society today, the first century in the Roman Empire was a blend of religions and a unified political system that had loosely thrown them all together. Faiths, values, and cultural customs blended due to the trade routes connecting the world, similar to how the internet brings us new goods and information. Among the educated was a deep skepticism of religion. In spite of the social norms of public Roman worship and competing world religions, complete with the ensuing confusion, cynicism, and distrust of religion in general, philosophy was elevated above religious dogma among the educated, but masked deep primitive superstitions below the surface among the general populace. Despite intellectual ascension over religious beliefs in Western society, the underlying pervasive belief in aliens, fear of ghosts, and acceptance of karma live in contradiction to the claim of science. Thus, the inconsistency of our core beliefs betrays that we still fear what we don't understand, while unconvincingly claiming to understand everything. Superstition remains the underside of our intellectual achievements because our souls intrinsically know that some, something that rationalism cannot prove and won't be dismissed, the knowledge that we are not alone in the universe. So that's my kind of take on uh, 21st century thought in general, right? It's all these there's superstition, there's science, there's rational thought, philosophy, religious dogma, all of that competing and people believing a blend and a mix of all of that. Okay. No, you can't do that. That's all I got, man. You're using big words. You're using 25 cent words. I'm more of a five cent word kind of guy. <laughs> so, what, I mean, but what do you think? Would you, would you say it's fair? What, what would you say about people that, oh, I can't believe in God? But, you know, it, the next thing that usually comes out of their mouth is they're going to believe in aliens if you press them. I don't run into that many people who don't believe in God. I run into more people who think they are God and, and, or, you know, they have a piece of God in them. Everyone's got a piece of God in them. I mean, it like, I, you don't really run into too many atheists anymore. It's, I mean, you see them out there usually on the internet, usually on YouTube, you know, making fun of anybody who believes in God, but atheism itself takes way more belief than anything. Cause you have to, you basically have to say, you know, all there is to know about everything. Right. Because when you admit you don't know everything, then you're admitting outside of what you know, there's a possibility that there's a God. Yeah. So the atheist argument doesn't work at all. And that's why I think you don't see that many of them. But there is this huge rise in uh, spiritualism, right? And, oh, I'm really spiritual and... And, you know, that's satisfying to my soul. And, you know, there's that mentality that's out there a lot yeah. more than, than the atheist side. And by the way, there is scientific evidence for aliens. Come on. The government admitted it in April. Hello. So, you know, and, and it's really funny, too, because even along those lines, like I don't get hung up on that with people. When people say, oh, there's aliens, I say, well, you know, that's funny because C.S. Lewis really believed that there was a possibility that there's aliens. Um, it, it's interesting though, that, um, the amount of, <laughs> I think it was recently, um, just this week, they, they said that if there is aliens, um, it would probably that the conditions in the universe that they think are out there, it would probably take them 31,000 years to get to us. Just 31 traveling at the speed of light. Yeah. Well, so I thought I, I, you know, I found that interesting. 
<laughs> just kind of knocked that claim on its head. No, I, I, I've had this talk many times. I mean, Wayne and I used to have this. And he's like, see, there could be aliens. I'm like, dude, I don't have a problem with aliens. I, Neither do I. I have no problem with aliens. Okay, there's aliens. Right. That doesn't change anything. Well, I that's mean, it. And they, they looked at how many planets might, you know, um, or solar systems might have conditions like ours. And that was what they had determined was, I think it was 31. I could be wrong, but it was, it was such an, a, a huge amount of time that these beings would have to be timeless and have an absolute well, I, huge I amount of time believe, on their hands. I don't believe that any alien would come to our planet. <laughs> that I don't believe. You don't think they have a strange fascination with the orifices of farmers? I'm just saying I can't see them going, hey, um, there's this one planet. Woo! Let me tell you. <laughs> Let's go to that one. I just, I don't buy that. Well, that looks fun. Um, they they created this movie there called Star Wars. You have to see it. Boy, were they wrong. <laughs> and Cliffhanger. Woo! <laughs> cliffhanger. And Top Gun. <laughs> well, the way that Maverick flew that plane. Gosh. Because so, I was inverted. <laughs> because I wasn't there you go that's why they're pulling all those tricks over our cities you know and here's the thing is I don't disbelieve the possibility of aliens don't get me wrong like I've always said to people hey why not you know and C.S. Lewis had that that belief and if you've never read out of the silent planet in the space trilogy the Paralandria series you are missing out on his richest gems because what he does is he imagines all of the planets in the solar system with um, not all of them, but two of them in particular that, that have not experienced a fall, that there are beings on these planets. It is absolutely amazing. And, of course, it was written before uh, we actually, you know, um, went to other planets so um, or sent probes or whatever. So what what's really mm, interesting, <laughs> this conversation came full circle, didn't it? Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. If you are offended by this podcast, that's because you're a pastor. And, and if you have not gotten offended yet, we're trying hard. Give us some time. You're, we're actually pretty tame today, right? But uh, but anyway, so going going to you know just compare some of these here. Um, in a pre-Christian, you you know I mentioned that you have the competing religions due to open trade routes. In a post-Christian, you have competing religions due to globalism. So each of these, you know, like like the whole idea that everything's relative, right? The postmodern mindset. Um, if you study the history of postmodernism, it came with cultural studies. Um, when Napoleon Chagnon and some of these other guys, you know, they go down to South America and study peoples, it, it particularly in the in the in the '60s really gained um, popularity because they were studying frameworks for belief, like epistemology, like how do you know what you know, and they started crafting that you are a product of everything, you know, which to a certain degree true you are a product of your upbringing so therefore they began to suspect that maybe the way i frame and think about things is not correct because i was brought i was brought into life with this this framework this paradigm and um, so when you find people from different religions coming across each other there's always that what if i was raised in that culture would i have believed differently but, you know, Paul has an, an argument. I mean, you can tell when the loud ones are coming. You just stop. You just pause. But um, in Acts 17, you know, when Paul's on Mars Hill, he answers that. Like, you know, this is not something new to him. So you go back, Romans 1 and 2, you go back and you go, okay, I'm going to read what Paul has to say, this was the world he lived in. So the world that we're living in, competing religions due to globalism, you know, everybody's saying, well, I don't know what to believe. That was the world that Paul was ministering to, right? There was all, there was Judaism. There was, you know, religion from the East. There was, you know, the paganism, the barbarians that he talks about are Celtic barbarians. There were all these different you know, plethora of, of, of gods that were competing. Um, they had, they had watched, the Greek gods become the Roman gods, you know, um, they, they got morphed. So um, they, they, they knew this. Um, so then you've got uh, philosophy elevated above religious dogma. 
Um, that, that was, if you read Socrates and Plato and them, they actually took on religious belief and punked it. And so philosophy, and that was, again, going back to Mars Hill in Athens, where uh, they're punking, um, they're, they're elevating themselves above religious dogma. That's what happened back then. Well, now um, philosophy um, is kind of in the backseat because we don't really, philosophy got to a point where it undermined everything, including itself, right? Like if you talk to a philosopher, they'll be like, well, you can't really know anything for sure. Because every argument can be dismantled. Almost everything that you postulate in the human language, it can be taken apart by logic and critical thinking. You can, well, what do you really mean by that? If you ever read Socrates, that's what he's doing. He's just picking everything apart. So philosophy is kind of, well, that, that's not helpful. If all, if all it does is, you know, pick everything apart, um, then, then that's hard for us to even know what to do with it. It just seems like a, uh, an intellectual exercise in, I, I can't, I can't complete that sentence because it's inappropriate, but it is just, it's yeah, I, I have to, I'm thinking of a different way to frame what I was about to say, but anyways, what we've replaced philosophy with therefore is science. Science is now the new religion that has been elevated over and above religious dogma and people find their meaning and their purpose there, but only selectively. Right. For example, in the way that philosophy was seen as a buffer and a protection, it's almost like a defense against religion. That's what it was back then. That's why Paul takes on uh, the philosophers at Mars Hill. Um, now it's science where it's, we don't really follow it. Like for example, um, the, uh, the whole thing right now about treating everyone fairly and Black Lives Matter, which I fully support. Don't get me wrong. Um, and don't start with the, do you support the movement or this or that? I go back to George Floyd. Um, Black Lives Matter, right? Here, here's the deal. Um, science, we, we, if we really believe Darwinism, um, we would say, hey, look, those in power deserve power right? Because it's survival of the fittest, baby. And I'm sorry that hurts your feelings. I'm sorry you don't like it. And by the way, disclaimer, this isn't what I believe. Um, but Darwinism would teach you that when any group of people comes to the top, they are accelerating, they are evolving, and they will dominate. All others will die off. And that's, that's horrific. We don't, and we forget the fact that in the Victorian period, that was used. Darwinism was used for dominating through colonialism, um, other people. People always think it's religion. Well, once, remember that in the 1800s, at the, at the height of the British Empire, the very height of it, Darwinism was really coming into acceptance. And they believed that, well, these, and they actually said, and you can go back and find this, where they believed that white people were more highly evolved than black people which is horrific to even, you know, uh, ponder. Um, now, since then, you would look at it and say, well, maybe the science, you know, science does not prove that. But we got to remember, that's the roots of it. But if you take actually what Darwinism is um, and, and you make the world devoid of any religious philosophy, um, there is no morality. It is only survival. And if it's only survival, then survival becomes the highest virtue, not moral behavior. Um, there is no grounds for moral behavior, except the fact that you tell me that you think it's right. Once you take religion out, um, and I, I don't know what your take is on that, Pete. You know, there are people who say, oh, no, 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 we, we have to treat it. And you just keep picking it apart. Why? Why do we? I mean, evolution teaches us that. Strong survive and the weak die off. Why wouldn't I apply that to my personal life? If that's how the universe works, why, why can't that be my morality? Yeah, no, I understand what your point is. And, and I think that's part of the reason why you see so many apologists. And, and you know, this is coming from, I was on the board of directors for apologetics.com for, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, whatever it was. And they would constantly uh, meet with and, you know, video do uh, uh, debates with atheists because 
that's one of the, the questions that has to be answered is where does morality come from if there's no God? Because if there's no God, then where is your morality coming from? Just because you believe this, but that's just based on your belief. And, and it's, it's interesting to see them struggle with it and try to present, no, I don't need a God in order to be moral. Right. And, um, well, but and it, is, it doesn't make any thing. sense. It doesn't Hitler, make any sense. Hitler literally said, literally an exact quote, because nature is cruel, we also can be cruel. So Hitler literally took his cue from nature, from his belief in evolution. And that was his, I mean, he was consistent if nothing else. So um, this is where I think, you know, we do need to push back and challenge that you have no basis. And if you're going to be consistent with your worldview, um, and, and then people say, well, I believe as a human race, we will evolve higher. And you say, well, that <laughs> you made that up, right? Like, like you literally made that up. And some people would say, well, you know, uh, the more sophisticated society, but that doesn't, that doesn't prove that we should still treat one another fairly. Right. There's, I mean, this is where the people that, that are trying to call the population of the world go is they say, well, you know, those of us that are rich and, and, and have the money, we were the smart ones. We, we were able, we're better survivors. Our gene pool needs to be the one that goes into the future. There will, therefore we will call the weak and we will call the poor. And, you know, I, I think no matter where you try to go with it, um, you're going to find that you in, eventually end up in a dead end because there are problems that can't be solved by the solutions that people are trying to come up with from an evolutionary framework mm. without going to a very horrible place. Right. Whereas the gospel comes in and says, hey, <laughs> you know, look, here's the answer, right? Um, love one another. Um, there's a God, yada, yada. So let's, let's move on because we're running out of time. Superstitious belief in ghosts, devils, and curses. I didn't mean to dismantle every one of these. And, 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 and uh, guys, I'm sorry. I know that's a horrific, like, I feel like Ra's al Ghul from uh, Batman even bringing this stuff. It's terrible. I don't advocate any of this. But um, it, it is truly horrific. Once you strip God out of the universe, you're, you're in a very bad place. Um, superstitious belief in ghosts, devils, and curses. Um, I love the fact that um, repeatedly the gospels, um, <laughs> that the, the disciples kept thinking they saw the boogeyman. They, they saw, you and I used to joke about it. They believe in the boogeyman. Like the first time I realized that in the scripture, like where they keep thinking they see a ghost. Um, Jesus walks on the water. They think they see a ghost. Jesus appears to them after the resurrection. They think they see a ghost. Peter comes uh, to the door. They think he's, they've seen his ghost. Um, you know, after, after he supposedly executed, I love the fact that these guys believe in ghosts. It just, it cracks me up. Right. Because I was always taught as a, as a young, Oh, there's no such thing in ghosts. You know, well, the disciples thought there were, and you know, whether you go, Oh, that's before they understood. Um, yeah, but maybe, you got to look not. at, they also, they also <laughs> knew the old Testament. Yeah. I mean, remember when I think it was, wasn't it Saul who conjured up Samuel? Yeah. And he literally conjures him up because Samuel's yeah. like, hey, who who brought me here? Yeah. So, you know, in that context, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing, man? Gosh dang it. Why, why I, are you, what, what are you doing? What, what's I, up? I wanted to read Albert Griffin's comment and I clicked on it and I turned my volume down and still gave me song. I want to interact with our audience a little bit on this, see what they're saying. Well, you can't. I can't. You need to learn how to multitask your Facebook Live properly. I, I guess I do. Shoot. Well, we all know I'm the, the genius of technology, don't we? Yeah. But anyway, that was, no, so that was the end of my point. I Samuel. was still listening they conjured to up you. Samuel. Wanted, that's it. Yeah, they did. And, and you know, oh, that's a whole nother can of worms. That uh, That's a fun conversation, especially between me and you. That's a really fun conversation. I'm just saying I, it makes sense why they would have this, yeah. you know, go surreal. It because- Yeah, it was. And, and, and to me personally, um, I've always kind of been open again, like aliens, like I don't think they're all demons. I think some of them are, but I actually believe that um, people might get stuck 
you know, nothing's working the way it should, you know, birth defects. I mean, we live in a broken world. Why would we think that the path after people die when hell was not created for us anyways, it was created for the devil and his angels. Why would we think that people wouldn't get stuck somewhere, you know, because in the, in the final day, the earth gives up all it's dead. And then everybody um, goes to the judgment. Nobody has gone to the judgment yet. So when it says appointed for man to die and then comes judgment, that's at the end of the age. So could people be stuck until then? Could there be spirits um, in prison? Well, there are, right? Um, Abraham's bosom, all that, that, that was where the righteous were. But I mean, it, it, nobody's in the lake of fire yet. That happens at the very end when people stand before God and get judged. So, um, but you know, today we have a belief, even, even if you claim that you're totally scientific and this and that, you might still believe in ghosts, devils, aliens. Um, so we've got this inconsistent kind of thing going on, you know, where there's a superstition and I'm not even saying that when I say superstitious, please don't say that I'm saying it's false. When I say superstitious belief, I mean, literally that, um, a superstition is something that you believe, but you have no basis for. You don't know why you believe it. You just, it's like a primitive belief. It's just there. There's no factual support proving or disproving it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So uh, they also believed in moral retribution. All religions believe that. Um, today, most people walk around like you were saying, Pete, like I, to the people I meet that are atheists tend to be younger people, but most people like middle-aged or older, even if they don't believe in the Bible, they believe in cosmic justice, some form of, ah, what goes around comes around, you know, or some form of karma. So today, you know, just like they believe back then the gods are watching there, you know, there, there was a sense of, of justice hardwired in the universe that they didn't understand. Um, today people would, would call it karma. I think that that has come over from Eastern religions. Um, there's also the belief that we're not alone in the universe. Uh, back then, there's a belief that we're not alone in the universe today, uh, whether it's aliens or whatever. There was the absence of exclusivism in religion. You know, they were all pagans. Judaism was the one religion that believed there was one God. Um, now, there's an argument to be made that um, they that the the Jews believed there was one God. But they also were like, but there's other things too, and we don't know what those are, right? Um, and Paul in Corinthians comes and says, they are not other gods. They are, in fact, demons. And it, it, it wasn't that clear in the Old Testament. Where, where does he say that? Were. He says it in Corinthians. Um, Which one? Two Corinthians or? Uh, uh, let me, let me. Uh, did you not see the humor? Did you not see the joke? Two Corinthians, no. two Corinthians. That's what Trump called it. Oh, oh well, okay. But it, look, I lived in Britain. I, you know why I didn't even catch that? Is that what Is, they say over there? That's a British, that's a British way of saying oh, no two kidding. Corinthians. Yeah. One Corinthians, two Corinthians. Um, you don't say second, you say two. Oh, so that's I, funny. when you said it 12 years of my life being a Briton. No, that's funny. That's, I did not, I did not know that. I was actually having a conversation with a guy yesterday and we were talking about Trump and I'm like, Oh yeah, he's a, he's a Christian because that's what he needed to say to win the election. <laughs> he's, he's a Christian. Like, like I'm a fashion model. I, yeah, mean, I exactly. think I'm good looking. <laughs> he's like, yeah, two Corinthians. Come on. So on, on the Ministry Ninja podcast, and I, I wouldn't mind getting him on here. Um, my nephew is a guy named Tadis, and uh, he got teacher of the year in California. I've mentioned him before. I think you've met him, but um, he uh, he's going to come on Ministry Ninja podcast tomorrow. And oh my gosh, dude, he said the funniest stinking thing about he was trying to draw a comparison between Obama to the black community and Trump to the black community. And... Um, his his statement about Trump was the funniest thing where he goes, you know, he, he, I can't remember what he said about Obama. It was pretty funny, too, um, it, because both of them, you know, from his perspective, he's like, yeah, neither one of us, you know, like like neither president was the black community completely happy with. But he went on to say, um, but he said, you know, Obama gave us hope. But he goes, but Trump, he goes, you know, he he it's kind of like when you have a stepdad and your stepdad loves you because he wants to get with your mama. <laughs> so he's, he's nice to you because he has to be. 
but he doesn't love you. So I thought that was really funny. Man, oh that God. is funny. The way he put it, and and I, I got to tell you, I can't. That wait is to have Trump you. to Christians. Exactly. He's and, the stepdaddy because he wants to get with your mama. He doesn't really love you, but he wants to be with your mama. So you know. But here's here's the awesome thing is you know um, I, I can't wait to have him. The the way. Tedisa's perspectives on things. Uh, that guy has taught me so much. He's my nephew, um, you know, but he is, he is a man I greatly respect. And, uh, and he was like, Hey, hey, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. So I just want to talk. I'm like, Tedis, look, if you know anything about my podcast, you know that Pete and I don't even try, right? Like he's not coming on this one, but I'm like, look, let me tell you my philosophy. Why didn't you have him come on this one? I, I will. I will. Yeah, it would be fantastic. Did he write a book? I don't. Because you know, I'm not going to read a. it. David on here. I'd also love to get a David. I had a great talk with a David this week. I'd love to get him on here as well. But you know, my philosophy is, I'm not out to win a popularity contest. I'm out. I'm out to help church planners. And if I make people mad along the way, that's what I do in my everyday life. Like, why wouldn't I? Um, why uh, I'm not here to get popular. Like, I would have picked a different. I'd be working out and getting a tan and taking a mega church. I've had one of those before. Like I would go do all those things and then I would have something on leadership. You know, um, that that's when you want a big audience. That's the stuff. You Seven do. secrets to being an effective leader. I'm telling you, like you don't do this, you know, so and we're going to take it all from the song of Solomon. <laughs> hey, I know we're approaching an hour. So <laughs> song of Solomon podcast, boy, uh, wouldn't that have an explicit warning on it? Um, I, I just Her hair by the is way, like a beautiful goat. <laughs> hey, hey, slow it down. Slow wind. down. We don't want to have to mark this podcast explicit. So, um, so <laughs> stop with the old biblical uh, Casanova talk. But, you know, what, what's really funny, man, is I, I you know, I, I've been doing through the word with uh, for Chris Langham. Um, and, and I just did, um, I lost my train of thought. What'd you do? Which book did you do? Well, I'm doing Second Chronicles right now. Are you? Yeah. Are you going to do the whole Bible for that? I am. And dude, so far on Through the Word, I had a guy message me. He's like, dude, I was in Luke. And I'm like, I don't remember doing any Luke. But apparently I did some of Luke. They must ask me to take a chapter or two or something. But so far, I've done Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, which those three books go in a row. And I told him, Hey, whoever does judges really ought to do first, second Samuel, but someone else really want to do it. So they did it. Then I, t- I keep telling him, you guys give me all the books. No one wants to do like Leviticus Deuteronomy. Um, but for second Kings, nobody wanted that one. Really? And after that, I'm doing first and second Chronicles. Now, let me tell you, if you've done first and second Kings, and then you have to go back and do first and second Chronicles, Holy cow. That, that, that is tough. Who's but doing yeah, Song it, of Solomon? Come on. Who's doing it? I would love to do Song. But this is the thing. See, I love all the books that nobody else likes because those are the ones that always bothered me if I didn't understand them. And, and I, would, I would study the crud out of those back when, when I was in pastoral ministry. And I loved, like, I would fall in love with these books, man. Like, once you understand them and they break open, you're like, whoa, that is... Then you geek out and you want to talk to everybody about them. You know, like Ecclesiastes, the day the, the code cracked for me on Ecclesiastes, like everybody, it, it started with my seminary professor. He's like, hey, you're all wrong on this. Um, let me tell you the Hebrew word to use this for vanity. That's the key to the book. That'll change the whole thing. You'll understand it totally differently. In, like, incontrovertible. You cannot argue against it. Once you understand what, like from a Jewish perspective, what that book is, it changes it all. And it makes really? it so much better. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, so, but anyways, I don't remember why I was going there. There was something funny and it had to do with that, but I can't remember what it was. So, um, but Chris did send me a bunch of funny clips that every, every month his kids go through and they edit. And I try to do all the editing for them. So all they really, I do is smack a bumper on the front and back, but, um, he sent me clips. I forget what I say on there. I say some really funny stuff. And he goes, these are my three favorite from this month. And it's, it's, some, it's some pretty funny stuff. I'm surprised he lets me work for him. So anyways, uh, the absence of exclusivism in religion uh, in the first century 
compared with relativism or pick what works for you today. And then the last one is the emperor was a god. That was the world that they stepped into, that the emperor was was truly a god, that there was a man on earth that was given godlike power and authority. And of course, Pete, I know where your brain is going on this one. Um, in our society, um, we give our rulers godlike powers, which is not new to the Bible. Um, in the Psalms where he says, have I not said you are gods? Um, the men, judges, uh, that, that's what that means. That whole ability to govern others is put in God's place. And we are, um, we're told in the book of first and second Kings and Samuel that when God is like, Hey, look, why don't, why don't you have me rule over it? Like, you're not really supposed to have other people ruling over you. That's not really, uh, how humanity was designed. Well, that's what we do is we, we put the state in the place of God and the state rules over even the church. And so when we think, oh, well, you know, a lot of the problems that have come out recently in society um, where the church is going, whoa, 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 who do we obey? Do we obey God or do we obey Caesar? This was nothing new. When you have a, a, a God-like emperor and you have a state that, that no longer believes in God and puts itself in the place as the ultimate authority, now you're not talking apples and oranges. You're talking two different types of apples. Fuji or Washington. So, or Gala. Or Gala. Yeah. Um, I, I don't eat those, but. Or Granny. Um, I do eat those with a do bit you? of caramel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You put some caramel on them at Disneyland. I'm good. But hey, uh, that's it. I mean, of our uh, diet. That ain't on the <laughs> diet. You know, and, and really, <laughs> I want to hear about that. I'm surprised we can get to that. I can't wait for two more weeks when I get to do a, an episode, it's not going to be on this podcast. Let me just put it like that. It okay. is not going, <laughs> that stuff I was talking to you about, yeah. that's not going on this okay. podcast. That's going on the from concealment podcast. All In right. fact, I even told Dan, we're not going to do it as a Facebook live. I'm giving you full authority at the end to go. We can't air that. <laughs> so I want to hear it. <laughs> I want to hear it. So, um, anyways, um, you know, hopefully for those of you, I mean, if, if nothing else, even what you heard today, that is the backbone of an apologetic um, approach right there. I mean, just even understanding our culture and understanding our society, um, being able to turn that around. And it, it, to me, just when you analyze our culture, you really see the need for the gospel in it and, and why we do what we do. So. Oh, that's helpful, you know, but uh, we haven't even gotten to the first century principles that speak into this. But Paul had an approach, and guys, I, uh, all this was to say, Paul's approach, because of the society he ministered in, will work today because of the society that we minister in. They are not dissimilar. And therefore, our approach to church planning should not. So when you read Acts, when you read the epistles, you should be looking very closely at what Paul did and how he approached a culture like that, because it, it will have the same effect. So that was it, man. As you wish. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing a movie line to close out the, the episode. Oh, did, uh, you, uh, see, did uh, you see that Babylon B post that said... A merciful God determines the world will end before the Princess Bride remake gets finished. Yeah, that was pretty oh, funny. Oh, thank you, Babylon B. Thank you. Uh, so let me ask you a quick question here. You know, as you're getting ready to do all this church planning stuff and reach the culture, who's going to help you out with all that financial stuff that you need help with? IRS compliance, W-2s, uh, firing your employees, rehiring them back up, furloughing, all that. Who helps? You know, Josh Henry, and the thing I can say, Josh Henry runs Simplify Church, which has a superstitious belief in ghost devils, aliens, and curses. But on top of that, they employ those ghost devils and aliens to do all of your bookkeeping, your finances, your um, anything that you need. You know, there's kind of like a digital justice or even a, a type of financial karma involved in that, Pete, where um, they understand how the universe works. And uh, rather than being relativistic, they actually pick what works for you. Um, and uh, they do not believe that the emperor, uh, the emperor God is the bank or the uh, government. So what they do, Pete, is they work for your church. They work for you. And they do all of your bookkeeping needs and all of your uh, tax compliancy. And they ensure 
that you are able to focus on all those other societal issues and reach it with the gospel. That's simplifiedchurch.com. Wait, what was the name of it? Simplifychurch.com. Okay. Simplifychurch.com. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, this has been Peyton and Pete. And I wish for the love of Pete, I could have remembered the movie quote that I was going to hit you with today. But uh, I'll start working hard on that every week. I'll start getting some movie quotes together so that uh, rather than leaving you with our tagline, because we're approaching 400 episodes, what is today? Is it like 398? 398, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're approaching uh, the point at which we can start shifting. I, I would say episode 400. I don't know. All are bets you? are off. Hey, man, I still think we need to do a live uh, uh, Zoom call. Where I, we, think, we get I think you should here. do it. I think you should do it. Absolutely. I'll do it. I'll, I'll host join. it and I'll record it. We can't live stream it, though, can we? Why not? Can we do like a Facebook live? Where people you can still there? live stream it. Doesn't I don't matter. know how to do that, but I can do this. We have 100 people on. Yeah. All right, cool. You can have a thousand people on and live stream it on Facebook. You can, because yeah. I would love to interact with all a thousand. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I would love it if we had a thousand listeners. That would be really cool. <laughs> we do have a thousand listeners. What are you talking about? We don't have a thousand listeners. We don't get a thousand downloads per episode. It takes us like six months to get a thousand downloads oh, an episode. Oh, what's up with that? I don't know. They might not like the smack. Yeah, I th- I think. I think it's you, Pete. I think I'm sure me. it's me. But they no don't doubt. give me until the second half. So it's like, you know, it's all you up front. Yeah. Man, we got to flip that around. <laughs> Just teasing. I, I've been in ministry long enough to know people definitely do not like me. So I, I think we're in good company, brother. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening to us today, guys. We appreciate it. Apparently, you are part of a select few. Trust me. And, uh, hey, this has been Peyton and Pete reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church